CR101radio.com, podcasts, and more. All right, well, if you'll take your Bible, turn to, turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, last week um, we went through the introduction to the Proverbs, talked about what the Proverbs are, what their purpose is, who it's for, um, and the necessity of getting wise, right? We're told plainly, go get wise, go get wisdom, go acquire it. That's what we looked at last week in a nutshell. Now today, this will be, um, as the plan is, the last the last time I'll do this right now. So we just have these two lessons on Proverbs. So I'm, I'm kind of going to do something that's probably a, um, a faux pas when it comes to teaching, is that after today, you're not going to know everything about this topic that we're going to talk about today. Um, so don't be disappointed. Um, we're going to talk about being teachable, but don't think that you'll know everything that the Proverbs has to say about that after this morning, because there's just too much. Um, it's one of the major themes of the book of Proverbs. I've gone through and reading the Proverbs recently and written next to verses that say something about being teachable. I say, be teachable. And there's just so many. There's just so many. And I probably didn't even get them all. So you want to get an introduction to this, something that will get you on the path. As I mentioned before, um, and, I, and I hope that you know, we will all begin to recognize this, is that we really are simple and we really are foolish and we need to get wise. And um, we all want to get on the train of acquiring wisdom and actually seeking it out and searching for it and trying to get it and not just expecting to get wise because we get older, um, but actually trying to go seek it out. So this, this lesson this morning is going to be one of those basic foundational things we need to let sink into our hearts in order for us to get wisdom. And that's one of the main attributes of a wise person, which is to be teachable. We're going to look at a lot of different Proverbs this morning, but we'll just start with this one to begin with. Proverbs 12, verse 1, probably because this is one of the most um, direct ones that deal with it. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Okay? So there, this is the theme. Okay? So, one of the main attributes of the wise, being teachable being correctable, being able to take correction, being able to be instructed, um, taking rebukes, taking reproof. What's it mean to be teachable or correctable? Uh, Proverbs 10.8 says this, the wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. So one who receives commands, that's somebody who's teachable. The wise of heart receives commands. Secondly, one who loves discipline, like we just read, Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's a contrasting parallelism. Somebody who's wise loves discipline, they gain knowledge, they love knowledge, but he who hates reproof, that's the opposite, right? So you have to love reproof. That's what, meaning, that's what it means to love discipline and loving knowledge there. Another attribute is one who listens to counsel, one who listens to advice. Proverbs 12.15 the way of, the, of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Someone who will take advice, someone who wants advice and will take it to heart. Somebody who listens to counsel. Someone who listens to rebuke. That is, you're thinking wrongly, you're doing something wrong, you're corrected. Proverbs 15, 5. 
A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. There's another contrasting parallelism, right? A fool rejects discipline from his father, but a sensible person regards reproof, takes that correction. Another one, Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. You see, if you're a person with understanding, with wisdom, you'll take a rebuke and that will, that will affect you more than beating a fool a hundred times. Right? Somebody who is wise will take it, they just need to be corrected once, and they take that and change. A fool will not take rebuke. You can beat him up a hundred times and it still won't change him. Proverbs 7, 27, 22, similar. Though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. You don't want to be like that, where you have to get beat over and over and over again and you still won't change. You stiffen your neck, right? You want to be somebody who you take one rebuke and you say, yes, okay, I'm going to change. You're right. I've got to change what I'm doing, change my way of thinking. I'm going to take correction. These are some of the things that it looks like to be a teachable person. You receive commands. You don't reject them. You love discipline, right? You listen to advice. You take rebuke. You see how those are all very similar and they overlap a bit as well. That's what it means to be a teachable person. The Proverbs tell us to do that a lot, just as we've seen already from a few verses. This raises a question, though. Who among us needs correction, right? Who needs correction? Well, obviously fools, right? right? Fools need correction. Proverbs 1.4, we looked at this last week, it's to give prudence to the naive and to give, you, to, the, to, give to the youth knowledge and discretion. The Proverbs are given to, to simpletons, right? But the wives don't need correction, right? Wrong. Notice what these verses say. We, we intuitively think wrongly that a wise person is somebody who's attained to a certain level that they no longer need to be corrected. They're the ones who are the correctors now, right? Only fools need to be corrected. But the, the Proverbs say something very different than that. We think, well, if you're wise, you correct, and you're the one who's just helping those stupid little fools out there. But the, the fact of the matter is, a wise person, it says, is the one who takes correction. It's the wise person who needs correction and, more, most importantly, will actually receive it. Right? Proverbs 10.8, the wise of heart will receive commands. You mean a wise person needs commands? Yes, but he'll receive them. But a babbling fool will be ruined. See, he doesn't receive commands. They both need commands. The difference is the wise one will take them, the fool will not. Proverbs 12.1, again, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. So if you're a, a lover of knowledge, what do you love? Discipline, because you need it. But, uh, but he who hates reproof is stupid. See, it's the attitude towards correction that's the difference. Not that one needs correction and the other doesn't. They both need it, but your reaction to it is, is what counts. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. You mean wise men need to be advised and have counselors, people who can help them and correct them? Absolutely. But they're one who will listen to it and actually be um, receptive to it. Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline. We think a wise son doesn't need to be disciplined. No, a wise son accepts the discipline that he needs. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So you don't want to be the scoffer who, I don't need that, right? I'm already wise in my own eyes. I know what I'm doing. You need to take correction because we all need it. Proverbs 15.5, a fool rejects his father's discipline. But he who regards reproof is sensible. 
You mean sensible people, wise people need to be reproved? Yeah, absolutely. We all do, right? Proverbs 17.10, again, a rebuke goes deeper into the one who has understanding. See, one who has understanding does need a rebuke, and he'll take it rather than the hundred blows that go into a fool, right? So you see, if you're going to be considered wise in God's eyes, you're the one who needs correction and one who actually takes it. It's not that wise people don't need it. We tend to think that way for some reason, but that's not right. Is that even wise people, as we saw last week, it's the wise increase in learning, right? We never say, well, I'm wise enough, I don't need to be corrected. I, I am uncorrectable now because I've attained to a certain level of wisdom or a certain age or something like that. Everyone, both the simpleton, the fool, and the wise man, both need correction. The difference is that the wise man humbly acknowledges that he needs it and actually receives it. That's the big difference. So you're never somebody who, well, I don't need to be corrected anymore. I don't need to be instructed. I don't need to be advised. I've lived long enough that I don't need advice anymore, right? That's not what the Proverbs say. It says we all need it. We all need it. And if we're really wise, we'll actually take it, right? So what's one of the, um, what's one of the prerequisites, prerequisites to be a teachable person? What kind of character attributes do you need? Humility. That's what we're looking for, humility. And this is a hard one because we're really prideful, right? We're really prideful. You know who has recently become one of my heroes in the Bible? Agur. Remember him? Probably not, right? <laughs> Agur. Look at Proverbs 30. Look at Proverbs 30. We know very little about this guy, except he wrote Proverbs 30, okay? And what you'll see about him is he's a wise man. He's a wise man who's writing us this chapter of Proverbs, right? We notice his humility in the, in the first six verses. We'll look at this for a minute. Proverbs 30. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, the oracle, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel, and to Ukal. Here's what he says. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven and de descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. So look, again, look at verses 2 and 3. Notice, how, notice his self-assessment of himself. Surely I am more stupid than any man. But he's a wise man. Exactly. And that's the kind of counterintuitive, almost ironic thing about this, is that those who are truly wise think this about themselves. They don't say, well, I'm so wise, I don't really need anything more. They say, I'm, I'm so foolish still. There's so much foolishness in my heart that needs to come out. One of the most famous and, and most well-respected um, commentaries on the Proverbs is by a guy named Charles Bridges. Right? If, you, if you listen to people talk about Proverbs, they'll probably talk about Bridges' commentary. And one thing that has been noted about it is that sometimes when he's commenting, he'll just erupt into saying, God, help me, when he's, reading, when he's commenting on certain Proverbs, because he knows, I can't, I'm not this. I'm not these things in the Proverbs. That's somebody who has let the Proverbs sink into them. They're recognizing, I'm so foolish. Surely I'm more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. You see, 
yes, of course, he's a wise man. He's, he's speaking the oracle here, the word of God here. He does have some understanding, right? Yes, he does. But the thing is, is that in his self-perception, it's, I still have so much to learn. I, he's basically saying, I don't even have the understanding of a man. I'm like an animal, right? I've not learned wisdom. But then he's going to give us a bunch of wisdom. See, the, that attitude, in fact, is an attitude of a wise man. And then he issues these things. Who, who does know these things? He's saying, he has, issues all these uh, questions and a challenge. He says, well, who's ascended into heaven and descended? Who's, who's gone up to God and got all the answers and comes down and can tell us? Right? He says, surely you know. Right? It's, it's a challenge to you. Yeah, I bet you know. Right? Who has gathered the wind in his fist, et cetera, et cetera. But then he, gets, he tells us where it is, verse 5. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. You see, if you want to get wisdom, it comes back to that. You're going to stick to the word of God, not be throwing other things in there, adding to it, but it's God's word is our standard of wisdom and where we go. If we're going to gain wisdom, we're going to go there. He was a, Agar here is a humble, wise man, one who recognizes he still has a lot to learn even though he is a wise man. And we learn also a famous text from Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Right? There's humility there. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, which is being prideful, being wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. See, Agar here is not wise in his own eyes, clearly. He's like, I'm not even wise at all. That's how he feels about himself, right? But he, that's, that is the attitude that actually, interestingly enough, gets you wisdom, is that humility saying, God, I need wisdom. I need to go to your word, right? Every word of God. So that's the attitude we need to emulate, is the more wise you actually get, the, the less you are wise in your own eyes, right? Never be wise in your own eyes, we're told. So, see, so seeing this, as somebody who's teachable, somebody who's humble, who's ready to receive correction, receive uh, commands, things like that, that's contrasted with the fool who is the opposite. Let me read a couple of texts. We've looked at some of them already. Proverbs 12, 1, again, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Can't get much plainer than that. If you, if you want to be stupid, then hate correction. Now, hopefully you don't want to be stupid. Don't hate reproof. Don't hate correction. Don't hate um, instructions and commands. Proverbs 14, 6. A scoffer, listen to this, a scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. That's, that's a really important one. A scoffer seeks wisdom. Scoffers want to be wise, don't they? They're wise in their own eyes. They think they want to be wise. They'll never get it, though. Why? Because they'll never receive instruction. You can't just get it. If you're not willing to listen and take correction and learn from God, learn from others, take advice. If you don't take advice, don't take correction, you'll never get it. Even though everybody wants to be, nobody wants to say, I'm going to really try to be a fool. People say, I want to be wise, I want to be smart, know what I'm doing. But you'll never be that way if you reject commands, reject instruction, reject correction. If you're a scoffer, in other words, you seek wisdom, you won't find it. But knowledge is easy to the one who is understanding. Why? Because he's teachable. Knowledge is easy to one who has understanding, because an understanding, wise person is one who receives instruction. Proverbs 15, 12, a scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. That is his unteachable uh, attitude. He doesn't want to be corrected. He doesn't want to go to the wise. 
He wants to do whatever he thinks is right in his own eyes. That's what a scoffer does. That's a description of a scoffer. We don't want to be scoffers. Scoffers do not love one who reproves them. The implication is we should. We should love the one who will instruct us and help us. And we should go to the wise. We don't want to be a scoffer who does not go to the wise for advice, counsel, instruction, even reproof. Again, Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into the one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Be teachable means you don't need to be beat up in order to change. You don't need to be beat a hundred times. It's like you're corrected. You say, yes, I'm going to take that to heart and actually follow the right path now. Listen to this description, Proverbs 21.24. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. See the opposite there? He's a prideful person. That's what you call um, a, sc a scoffer is an arrogant, proud person who acts in his pride. He will not receive instruction. Proverbs 7, 27, 22, again, though you pound a fool in a mortal with a pestle along with crushed grains, yet his foolishness will not depart from them because he's unteachable. No matter how much you push him and beat him down, he just won't receive correction. That's, not, that's the opposite of how we're supposed to be. That's how fools act, we're told, right? What are some of the consequences of being that way, of being foolish, that the Proverbs warns us about? A number of things. Proverbs 1, look, at, look over here. Proverbs chapter 1, 29 through 33. Proverbs 1, 29 through 33. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel, they spurned all my reproof, so they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me, to wisdom, shall live securely and will, at ease, will be at ease from the dread of evil. Very general but that's what you get here, is that it's very clear you have two paths here. If you reject wisdom, you'll be killed for your foolishness. Your foolishness will destroy you. But your complacency of fools, right, your lack of interest in wisdom will destroy you. But if you listen to wisdom, if you're teachable, if you're taught by God, you'll be at ease from the dread of evil, right? That's a very broad, general thing, but that's what he's trying to get across to you. There's obviously the good way and there's the bad way here. Being a fool there's bad consequences. Being wise, there are good blessings. Again, Proverbs 10, 8, the wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. There are consequences for being this way, for being foolish and unteachable. Bad things happen. Proverbs 13, 10, through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. You want strife? Don't receive correction. If you want strife, be, pride, be proud and prideful and reject commands and instruction and rebuke. But if you're wise, you'll receive counsel, it says. Proverbs 13, 13, the, the one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. So that contrasts there as well. If you despise the word, there's problems. If you re revere the commandment, you'll be rewarded. There's blessings for being wise, the Proverbs teaches. The good things... Um, life, you're, you're living a life successful in the eyes of God, and there's blessing in that. But if you're being foolish, you're not, and there's, there's destruction in that. Proverbs 13, 18, 
Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Right? So you want to be, um, you want to have shame and dishonor and make foolish decisions and have a bad reputation, then you don't listen to wisdom. But if you want to be honored and be respectable, you're one who regards reproof. Proverbs 15.10, grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. It's not just little things. This is really about our lives as, as, as the way we live our lives. We need to heed the word of God. Let's jump out of the Proverbs for just what's one time, I think. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5 as, a, as an application here of one who will not be taught anymore. Hebrews chapter 5, 11 to 14. I looked at this a bit last week, but I want to dive a little bit further into this. In the context, uh, the author of Hebrews is, is instructing them, teaching them about Jesus as our high priest. But in chapter 11, he goes off um, and discusses, he, he rebukes them, starting in, in verse 11 of chapter 5. Um, he goes off on a rabbit trail to rebuke them for their unteachability, okay, for their lack of heeding um, doctrine. Hebrews 5.11, concerning him, Jesus as our high priest, concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing, Okay. What that means is they become slow to hear. They don't want to hear it. They're, that, they're, that's a little too far for them. We don't want to go there on Jesus as our high priest. We don't want to hear that at this point. He says in verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And the problem with you all is that you're dull of hearing, he's saying. You are unwilling to go beyond the basics. You want to go stay on your milk forever, but you don't want to get on the solid food and get mature. You want to stay on the basic principles, the elementary principles, the ABCs of the word of God, but you need to grow up. You ought to be teachers by now. You know, it's like looking at a 30-year-old and saying, well, why are you still in kindergarten, right? You should be out of college by now and doing your thing. You should be teaching by now. But you're still going over kindergarten curriculum over and over and over and over again. By this time, you really ought to be teaching and not be going over your ABCs still, right? And what this transitions to is, a, yet, a, yet again, another warning in the book of Hebrews against apostasy, chapter 6 against falling away, against um, rejecting the faith altogether. It's very serious, is that if somebody becomes unteachable in a, in a big way, they will not receive instruction, correction, or anything like that. They're really in danger of that, because they're no longer heeding the word of God. They're no longer wanting to hear the word of God. They're dull of hearing. They're slow to hear. And that's where he goes into chapter 6. I'm sure you're probably familiar with that, that section, right? The next verse says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God, etc. And let's move on from that. Let's build on that, not lay the foundation over and over again, but build on it. 
And then he goes into apostasy about a warning against that. You want to be somebody who's continuously <coughs> seeking the word of God and wanting to gain more from him. Instruction in your uh, life, like it says in verse 14, so you're trained to discern good and evil, right from wrong. So you know truth from error. You know what's sinful and what's righteous. That takes study and God's word and taking advice from people who have learned things in their life as Christians. We need to know, what do I do in this complex situation? That takes training. You have to be trained by God's word, and that's through the help of other people that are Christians. We never can say, well, I've learned enough. I think I'm good where I am now. I'm not going to try to seek more. That's being dull of hearing. He's saying, we have a lot to say still. Maybe you all aren't ready for it because you don't want to hear it. Because you just want, you're happy with your milk. He said, you need to move on from that. And of course, he does. Um, in Hebrews chapter 7, he says, let's do it. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about Christ as our priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's get to the, the harder stuff. So he encourages them and pushes them forward to grow up a bit after correcting them. And hopefully, they, they took that. So we are not to be um, unteachable. There are many negative, really bad consequences to that if you take it very far. We want to be teachable people who will take advice, take correction, take instruction, receive commands, right? Now, in contrast to that, what are the blessings of being teachable? Well, you'll become wise, and you'll receive the blessings that come along with wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5 to 9 generally says this, Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. All that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? If you will simply receive wisdom, if you'll simply get it, right? If you do not turn away, forget or turn away from the words of this wise person's mouth. She'll guard you, she'll watch over you, right? She will honor you, she'll exalt you, she'll put a, uh, on your head a garland of grace and a crown of beauty. And very broad, general, you'll have, you'll, you'll be living a life that is pleasing to the Lord and is filled with, with blessing in that way when you're following him and being wise and, and understanding his word and applying it to your life. If you've received his instruction, you get all, all these things are, are benefits of that. Proverbs 6, uh, 23 and 24 for the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. You want to avoid sin? You want to avoid being snared in sin? You need to heed commandments. You need to understand wisdom. He's saying wisdom, if you, if you get it, it's reproofs for discipline are the way of life. They'll keep you from the adulteress, chapter 6 says. Okay, they'll keep you from being ensnared in sin. And it, you want that, right? You want to follow the Lord and not sin. You've got to get wisdom to know, see sin coming and to avoid it. Proverbs 10, 17. He is, he is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. You're going to be on the path of life. You're, that's a description of somebody who's on the path of life is one who heeds instruction. But if you ignore reproof, you're, you've gone astray. You're going astray. You need to heed correction. Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there's victory. Okay? Having a lot of advisors, people to help you and to give you advice, 
there's, there's much more um, likelihood that you'll have success in that than if you just do what seems best to you alone. Where there's no guidance, the people fall. Proverbs 13, 13, the one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Right? There's a blessing there. And again, Proverbs 13, 18, poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. You'll be honored when you regard correction. Proverbs 15.22, similar to the other one, without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. You need a lot of advice, a lot of different uh, people, a lot of different Christians who are wise to say, here's what I think would be best based upon what I've learned from God's word and, and experiences in my life applying it. Proverbs 15.31-33, he, he whose ear listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. You want to be honored? You have to humble yourself, that's what he's saying. And if you listen to life-giving reproof, there's benefits of that. You'll acquire understanding. You will dwell among the wise. But if you reject it, what's he say? You despise yourself. You're only hurting yourself when you re reject correction and advice. You're only against yourself. It seems like, well, if somebody's correcting me, um, I'm just standing up for myself and peop other people are against me, right? No, no, no. If you reject reproof, you're against yourself and other people are actually for you if they're giving you life, as it says, life-giving reproof. <laughs> you need to take that, okay? So I've listed, who knows how many proverbs here, and like I said, there's, there's more on being teachable. You won't walk out of here having seen or heard everything that the Proverbs has to say about this because it is sincerely one of the running themes of it, which I hope you understand why. I mean, if the book's about getting wisdom, you have to be one who's willing to receive that. It's pretty obvious, right? Being correctable, being teachable. Now, we have a few minutes I'd like to talk about, and I'd like perhaps to hear some of your applications as well, in some ways that we can do this that we can receive instruction and, and our real lives. Now, obviously, I'll, I'll suggest a few, and then I'd love to hear some from you all. Obviously, discipline and correction from your parents, right? You're growing up. One of the things that's um, said a lot in the Proverbs is, my son, my son, my son, listen, listen, listen. Don't forget what I'm saying. Don't reject what I'm saying. My son, listen to the discipline, right? Proverbs 1, 8, and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Okay? Parents are to be the teachers. They are to have wisdom and teach wisdom to their children. It's something, if you're going to be a wise child, a wise child in your parents' house, you're going to be one who recognizes that, as God has said, there's foolishness in our hearts by nature. Your parents were no exception growing up either, but the point is, is that hopefully over time they've learned that they are foolish and are continually striving for wisdom, and they have gained wisdom that they can pass on to you. You need it, they need it, but you need to learn to receive it. This is says, listen to it, don't forsake it, receive it. Okay, so we need to be ones who, as, as children in our parents' house, receive instruction because it's helpful. If we don't, we're just hating ourselves. We're just hurting ourselves, and uh, nothing good comes from that. So discipline and correction from your parents, of course, is pretty basic, foundational, and obvious, I think. Here's one that we all need here. 
seeking and taking advice. Seeking and taking advice. When you make plans and decisions in your life, how many people do you get advice from? That's the question. How many people do you ask, what do you think I should do here? Can I pick your brain about the wisdom and experience you've had? How many counselors do you have? I'm going to guess for many of us it's zero. One, maybe two. If you have three or four, you're probably ahead of the rest. And that's still, is that many counselors? I don't really think so. Three or four sounds like a few, a few counselors, right? Like I read before, Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Part of being teachable is saying, I need people to help me. I need to go and seek out. Not just wait, hopefully somebody will tell me what to do or what they think is the best, but say, you know what, let me ask, you know, five or six people from church or five or six people, uh, Christian people who maybe have a good, a good grip on scripture and have some experience in their life to learn, have they learned how to apply it in life and see what they think, right? Let's get some idea. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. This is one, you know, I admit, I really haven't done very much. And it's something that we need to be, take correction from is that we need to seek advice. We need to seek counsel from people so we can not make foolish mistakes, make foolish decisions and bad plans. See, a lot of times when, um, even if we do seek advice, we've already made up our mind anyway, right? We're just doing it for basically to go through the motions. But whatever they tell me, I'm just going to do what I've already set my mind on anyway. I've set my heart on this thing, so they may tell me something opposite, but well, at least I've asked people. We have to really consider. Now, maybe the counsel you receive isn't right, okay? But the more you think, the more you talk to people, the more you'll hear, okay, maybe there are some things that I hadn't thought about, right? Even that will help you. Even if people are telling you contradictory things, you say, well, I hadn't thought about some of the things they're saying. There's more information that I've gained from this to reason through this and think about it biblically, right? You always are gaining something. Even if not everybody agrees, you have more data to work with, more, hopefully more scriptural things to consider so you can make a, a more informed decision. I know that life isn't so simple. You go talk to 10 people, and they all tell you the exact same thing, necessarily. But hearing different things, you can say, yeah, there's stuff I did not consider. This really helped. Maybe five or six said something really, really helpful. Other things maybe weren't exactly right, but that even got me thinking in contrast and things like that. The more we hear from people that we can, we can see are rooted in Scripture and have applied things to their lives, the better off we are. Okay, And then related to that, and similar to that, we need to humbly heed rebuke, which is basically most of the verses that I read. Um, when we take, when we need correction, we need to say, okay, if, if they're right, they're right. I need to change. It's not getting prideful and getting defensive and stuff like this is this is really difficult to do, but it's something we need to work on. Is that if somebody's saying, well, maybe that wasn't the best course of action, or maybe you're not thinking exactly right, or maybe you're maybe you said something that wasn't true or things like that. The rebuker should, of course, be gentle. I'm not saying you can, you should, we're not talking about the rebuker today, but the rebuker should be um, wise in the way he rebukes. But the person who takes, who receives the reproof needs to receive it humbly, not be a scoffer who rejects it. That's something we've seen a lot. Um, so we have a couple minutes. Um, what are some other things that we can apply this to in our lives in terms of being teachable?
Yeah, you can. Both of you. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. You have something, Daniel? Yeah, that's good, convicting. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, Kim. Um, this, I'm not sure how it happened to be removed at Ramon, but <coughs> I think the Presbyterian system acknowledges the uh, <coughs> need of multitude counsel. So the session has a plurality of elders. And I can't tell you how many times that I've been thinking I knew what I was And this part that, you know, maybe fr it pricks my heart and it probably pricks yours is the lack of humility that's in my heart and the lack of, te therefore, the lack of teachability. Um, something that we need to really think about. Um, a good text that might help, Philippians 2, 1 to 10, is Christ's example of humility. Um, Paul instructs them to count others more significant than themselves in that section, and, and Jesus uh, did that for us. He counted us more significant than himself. 
even dying on the cross so for us. So we should imitate him in that way. Um, but the Proverbs are meant to, to pierce, but he says, do you really seek it and you pray for it? He'll give it to you. He'll give wisdom to you. Remember James 1 says that, so we just need to keep on praying for it and to keep on seeking it. And he says he gives generously, he gives freely without um, upbraiding you, without saying, what's wrong with you? He wants you to seek it, so if you seek it, Takes some hard work, but he says he'll give it to you. So that's the encouraging part when we feel like fa failures, because hey, that's what we are. You know, we sh we're like Agar saying, "I'm more stupid than anybody on the face of the planet." Um, well, that's actually it can be a good thing. Um, makes us seek out wisdom. So with that, let's go ahead and, and close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you for your word, and we do pray for wisdom for each and every one of us, because we know that we are simple, we are naive, we are fools in our hearts, and we thank you for. The, the measure of wisdom that you've given to us. And we, um, with Agar, recognize that we um, still have a lot to learn um, and a lot of wisdom to, to gain. We pray that we will always um, be more humble, more willing to receive your word from reading it, but also from others who will kindly and gently, not with quarreling, um, help us, correct us, teach us, instruct us. Please help us not to be scoffers, not to be prideful and defensive, but to, um, as David said, to, um, to, be, to bless the man who rebukes us, to be thankful for him, um, because it's helpful to us, helpful to us to live um, more pleasing to you. I pray that we will worship you this morning um, from the heart, in spirit, and in truth, and we pray you'll bless our Lord's day. We thank you for this Sabbath. And um, I praise you and uh, for Christ's sake. Amen.